Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Primal Potential is about you. Your ability to change is not defined by yesterday and doesn't need to wait until tomorrow. Your transformation is now. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I'm here with Sarah. Hello. Happy Saturday. How are you today? I'm really great. How are you? Good. I'm a little jealous that you're sitting there with the clay mask on, even though I can't see you. I know. Thank goodness no one can see me because I I was going to say I look like a Smurf, but Smurfs are blue, aren't they? Smurfs are blue. Your mask isn't blue, is it? It's green. So maybe Oscar the Grouch? (laughs) Yes. I am not grouchy, though. Okay. (laughs) Yesterday was a different story, though. Yesterday, well, you weren't even grouchy. You came in, you spilled your coffee, you left your eggs at home. Yes, that's true. But today's off to a better start, though. Exactly. All right. We have a giveaway that I'm very excited about today. We've given it away before, but it's always one of my favorite things. We are giving away an entire canister of the plant based protein that you and I like. And I, I realized something the other day because I, I posted something on Facebook about like um, really wanting to get more nutrients-dense meals and, and take better care of my physical body. And I mentioned something about my shakes. And I had a flashback based on the comments to all the shakes I've had that are just nasty, right? That like have a weird aftertaste or you kind of have to choke them down. And I think that that is what a lot of people still think of when they think of protein shakes, kind of like protein bars. Have you ever had a protein bar that just has that like really awful whey protein smell or taste? Yes, Yes, I have. Not good. So gross. And it like stays in your mouth for such a long time. I know. It's such a disappointment too, because I know for me, like by that point, I'm usually pretty hungry and really want something substantial. Yeah. And it is just so disappointing. And I feel like most of the time, if I buy something that I haven't had before, like I see a new brand of protein bar and I'm like, oh, I'll try that. Or there's like a ready to drink protein shake. And I think that might be convenient. I'll try that. I'm almost always disappointed. Yeah, I almost always make those choices based on recommendations. And yeah, lucky for me, I have you in my life. Yeah, that's because I've tried all the crappy ones, like all the god awful ones that sound like they're going to be really, really good, and they're they're bad. But the reason I bring this up is because I promise I have had all the crappy proteins that either like don't dissolve well, so you feel like it's chunky, or the texture's weird, so it feels a little grainy, or it just has that awful protein or artificial flavor, artificial sweetener kind of taste to it. The protein that you and I have, I I personally feel like it's free from all of those protein experience awful moments. I agree. I love the flavor, but what keeps coming to mind is um, creamy. It's like so smooth. 
It is so smooth. It mixes really well. I've never one time had like a clumping issue with it ever. Same. And it doesn't have, uh, sometimes if you get it, if you're like, oh, there's this protein that I love and I think of it's amazing and you look at the label and it's like, oh, that's because there's a ton of sugar in it. (laughs) It's actually more of a milkshake than a protein shake, but you keep on doing you. But this one is different. This one doesn't have added sugars or artificial flavors or artificial sweeteners. It's super clean and it's super good, which I personally find to be a really rare combination. Same. And people, you know, uh, this is really interesting. So you know how we have our big free primal potential Facebook group? Yes. Somebody was asking not that long ago about like recipes for protein shakes or for breakfast. That's what it was. Like something easy to have for breakfast. And somebody responded and said like, I wouldn't do this for breakfast because all of those protein shakes are going to be loaded with sugar. And when people make smoothies, they put in all sorts of fruit. And I was like, that, that is possible, but it's not the only way. And I don't want people to think that you can't have a protein shake that follows like the golden rules of carbs and fat loss and doesn't have a ton of sugar or fruit in it if you're having it in the morning. When I do this shake in the chocolate flavor versus the vanilla flavor, sometimes I'll just throw in a little bit of nut butter and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it's really easy to do. Now you can put in fruit and add to the sugar, but you definitely don't have to. And sometimes I don't even make it as a as a shake, I will put a scoop of the chocolate or a half a scoop of the chocolate in with my Greek yogurt. Oh yeah. I've seen you do that many times. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. I love that. And it just, it adds, cause I don't like plain Greek yogurt, but mm-hmm. I also never buy the Greek yogurt that has like fruit mixed in because it's never just fruit. It's always like syrupy and has added sugars. So, um, this way I can kind of make my own. I love how convenient it is too. Yeah. I know like I try to make the shake every day, but sometimes I can't or I just don't have the time or whatever. Um, But I have just taken an empty glass jar, thrown the dry powder in and just use like one of those um, shaker balls. I don't know what their actual term is. And you just add water and shake it up. And it's not like my favorite way to drink it, but it's easy and quick. And I know I'm getting nutrients. Which and I it's not gross like most plain proteins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have done it as hot chocolate. Anyway, I feel like this could turn into like a gump in the shrimp kind of moment here. Um, but that's what we're giving away today. You choose vanilla or chocolate. We'll ship it out to you. Doesn't matter where you live in the world. Hang tight. To the end of the episode, we will say who won, but you can win. We give something cool away every single Saturday. All you got to do is leave a rating and review of this podcast in Apple Podcasts, or you can leave a review of Chasing Cupcakes on Amazon, or you can just post on Facebook or Instagram. Make sure to tag me with an episode you're listening to, an episode that you love, and if you do all three, you get three chances to win for that week. So anyway, we're excited. We will give that away at the end of today's show. Yes. All right. We got questions. Yeah. The first one says, should I plan what I eat every day? You know, I saw this question come in and my first thought was, well, what are you doing now and is it working? Right? Oftentimes, 
I think because we just have so much going on in our lives and because there's so much information everywhere and everybody with a tongue has an opinion, sometimes we lose the common sense opportunity where the answer is right in front of us. So when I saw this question come in, should I plan what I eat every day? My first thought was, well, what are you doing now and is that working for you? right? Because if you are not planning what you eat and it's working for you and you feel really good about your choices, then like there's no need to change it. If you are planning what you eat and it's not working for you and you're like, well, that sounded good at 7 a.m., but it's 11 a.m. and I don't care and I'm going to go to Taco Bell, then don't keep doing something that isn't working. Um, And then even as you make a change, if you make a change, really pay attention to what is working because the solution is very unlikely to be planning what you eat. If there is a problem like lack of follow through, it's rarely about the fact that you're planning or not planning and more about how you're thinking about the choices you make as you make them. So what I mean by that is there's nothing wrong or right inherently with planning. And I used to, it was almost like I started the day with a very high level of motivation or I would end one day with like super high motivation for the next day. But then when I was in the throes of the next day, I really didn't care. So I had a plan, but I didn't follow that plan. And if somebody said, hey, do you want to you know, go out for lunch? I'd be like, absolutely. And the plan didn't matter. That is not a function of planning doesn't work or planning does work, but rather something greater, which is, are you connected to your goals and why you want them? Are you holding yourself accountable? Do you have a practice of discipline and follow through? Is what you're planning sustainable and realistic for you? And all of those kinds of things. So I personally, and everybody is going to be different and we'll all be different at different phases of our own lives too. I have a loose plan for my day. So today, for example, I had Greek yogurt with the protein and some raspberries for breakfast. And then I'm going to do a smoothie for lunch. And I'm planning to try again on the cabbage salad bowl. I'm going to try and get... was telling Sarah before we jumped on that I tried to get my favorite pre-chopped cabbage bag from Whole Foods yesterday, but they were sold out. I'm going to go back today, even though it's like 25 minutes away. And if they don't have it, I'm just going to buy heads of cabbage and do it myself because why not? But like that's, that's the plan that I have in my mind. So when I'm doing my morning journaling, I kind of jot that down and I wrote down today, spend no money on food beyond this. So like yesterday, I went out and grabbed some chicken for lunch and I got a cookie. So today the plan is different. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to eat this. If it's not on this list, I'm not spending money on it. Um, That's a loose plan. Now, if somebody calls and says, do you want to go out to dinner tonight? I'm not going to say no because that's not in the plan. But the bigger piece of the plan is for today I don't want to do processed foods. I don't want to do starches, that sort of thing. So even if I go out to dinner, the plan still holds, even though it's not a cabbage salad bowl, maybe it is um, a salad with a side of protein, or maybe I get a steak with a side of veggies or something like that. But ultimately, 
getting back to the question, should you plan what you eat every day? If you try it, is it working? If it's not working, it's not because of the plan, but rather how you're approaching the plan. And that's what we really need to look at. And that's why, honestly, in the 12 Weeks to Transformation, we focus so much on optimizing the way you think because you can have the best plan in the world and you can have all your meals prepped in, in the fridge and you can still talk yourself into, I'm not in the mood today, who cares, and go through the drive through right? It's not a function of the plan. It's a function of the way you think. And that's where we really have the biggest opportunity. Hmm. Do you plan what you eat every day? Um, I generally have an idea, but I, like you, is kind of loose. Um, and then I know I do set myself up to succeed as in like, if I'm going to be out for hours, I'll grab some healthy snacks to keep in my car because otherwise I know I will just stray and then I'll get starving and then I won't care what I eat. So Can I call you out on that word that you just said? Yeah. I don't know which one, but yes. Starving. Oh yeah. Right. Have you ever uh, been starving? No. Gosh, I feel <laughs> awful for even saying that. No, no it's not even, I don't even call people out on that to be like, you don't know starving. You know, it's not that. It's that the drama of I'm starving is what we use to talk ourselves into grabbing a candy bar at the gas station. Yes. But if we were really like, I'm actually not starving. I've never been starved in my entire life. I am hungry, but I'm nowhere approaching starving, especially given the fact that I ate a few hours ago. So like, let's level down the drama dramatically. And then it doesn't seem so urgent. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I love that you stopped me and said that because now when I have those moments of thoughts, I'm going to think of you and I'm going to, I'm going to remember this. Because I used to do that. In fact, I grew up, my mom is somebody who is a grazer. She prefers to eat kind of uh, like every hour, 90 minutes or something, just have a little bit of something. If we sit down to a meal, she'll barely touch it. But 45 minutes later, she's like picking at it again, you know? Um, and she would use that word all the time. And I started using that word and I would be like, oh my gosh, I'm starving. And sometimes I even still do. But then there's this automatic response because I've practiced it so many times. That's like, actually, I've never even sniffed at starving. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any idea. Even when I did a seven day water fast, I was nowhere in the realm of starving. And when we remove the drama, we also remove that urgency that is the card we play to talk us into the candy bar. Yeah, you're so right. Thank you for stopping me. My and pleasure. A reminder. All right. The next question says, how do I keep my cravings for wine under control? Wine is the biggest saboteur of my goals. Let's begin with wine is not the biggest saboteur of your goals. Wine is wine. If your goals are being sabotaged, it ain't the wine, it's you. You know, oftentimes we distance ourselves from ownership and responsibility by being like, I would be so good if it weren't for wine. Yo, it's not the wine. The wine just sits there. It can't do anything on its own. It's you. So that ownership to me is the first step. Wine is not sabotaging your goals. That's just not true. It might make you feel better, but that doesn't make it any more true. Um, whatever narrative that you use 
to talk yourself into wine, especially when you've said, I'm not going to drink today, that is the issue. Your own thought process, not the wine. Um, I also don't believe in this notion of sabotage, right? And I've done whole episodes on the idea of sabotage, but essentially sabotage is intentionally trying to undercut or cause harm or undermine. And I don't believe that most people, I will say 95% of people I don't believe are intentionally trying to hurt themselves. They just want something more in a given moment than they want their goals, right? It's not that they have this vicious side that's like, actually, I really want to keep myself drinking every day. I actually want to keep myself overweight. I actually want to keep myself in debt. Sabotage is just one of those kind of over-dramatized reactions. It's choice. For keeping cravings for wine under control, I think we have to first look at how we respond to cravings. And I use this super crass, not for children analogy all the time. So if you have like kids around you, either pop in your headphones or come back to this later. Um, but I'm sure we've all experienced a desire for sex, right? Like just being in the mood, like <laughs> I could really go for some sex right now, but we have standards. So we're not just going to grab the next person that walks by and be like, my craving is out of control. I like, this is, this is sabotaging me. Like you have to have sex with me right now because we have standards it has to be the right time. It has to be the right person. It has to be the right place. We can have the craving and not act on it. And we do all the time. And even in a, in a more, you know, PG rated version, we have the desire to scream at somebody or to smack somebody and we don't do it. Yet when we perceive it to be lower risk, like, hey, if I have a glass of wine, nobody's going to get hurt. If I have a cupcake, nobody's going to get hurt. Then we give into it and we blame it on the power of our cravings. Our cravings are not that freaking powerful because if they were, we would be having sex with strangers all the time and we would be yelling at everybody that pisses us off and we would be, you know, backhanding our partner or, you know, locking our kids in their rooms or whatever else we know that the craving, the desire, the urge is not so powerful that we can't overrule it in all these other areas of our lives, but then we just blame it on the craving when it comes to something that feels lower stake. So with cravings, you can feel the craving and make a different choice. And if you're in the practice of, oh my gosh, I want wine so bad, and then responding by pouring a glass of wine, then what are you more likely to do the next time that you really want some wine? I mean, you're going to pour yourself a glass, right? Much of this is learned behavior. So you need to practice saying no to the wine the next time you want it. And instead of resisting and resenting the cravings, oh my gosh, this sucks. I want wine so bad. Instead, you say, I'm so glad to have this desire right now because I need to get in more practice saying, I don't have to act on this. Just like I'm not going to have sex with a random stranger because I'm in the mood. 
that craving, that urge is not so strong that I don't have the power to choose my standards instead. This is reflective of your need for practice, period. And the biggest thing that you can do here is change your perspective. Wine is not a saboteur. Your cravings are not that powerful. Your choice is always more powerful. That's what I think. How do I motivate myself and stay motivated? So let's start with what if instead we said, I don't need any motivation because I'm going to do it anyway. And I've been talking about this a lot. My sense, and I want to know your perspective on this too, Sarah. My sense is that we've really overvalued motivation. Like, who cares if you're motivated? The notion that the key to success is being motivated and staying motivated, and the reason we haven't succeeded is because we don't have enough motivation, I think lets us off the hook too easy. I don't think you need to be motivated, and I don't think you need to stay motivated, and I think you can do it anyway. What do you think? I I completely agree with you. And I also never had that thought before meeting you. Like that never, ever occurred to me that I can do it unmotivated. And it's still like, it, it's still such a powerful thought for me because I think it was recently that you posted something about working out and you did it unmotivated or something. And I'm like, yes, like, yeah. duh, just yeah. do it. Yeah, I think that this is one of those areas of life where we've crafted this romantic notion of motivation primarily because it serves us, right? If if motivation is the thing that we need, then if we don't have it, we're off the hook. Like, I, I really want to start a business, but I just haven't been motivated to do it after work. Or I really want to lose weight, but I'm just not motivated because I'm so tired. Or I need to be better about working out, but I'm never motivated to get to the gym. It serves us because there you go. There's the reason that we didn't do the thing. And I am on such a kick of, um, who cares? Do I think that we can generate motivation yeah, for sure. But do I think for one second that you're going to stay motivated always? No. Sorry, no. No matter who you are and how good you are and how huge your goal is and how strong your drive is, you're not going to stay motivated just like nobody is going to endlessly stay happy or endlessly stay focused. Feelings by nature are intermittent. So my, my real response to this is, Stop relying on motivation. Yes, you can surround yourself with people who are doing big things that helps you feel more motivated more often. And you can have a musical playlist that charges you up. And you can read motivating things every single day and that can help. And you can revisit your goals every single day and that can help. But at the end of the day, the key here is don't rely on motivation. Do it unmotivated. And you're the post that you're referring to, I was saying that uh, I recently changed my morning routine because I was struggling with getting in movement because like the day would just get away from me and come the end of the day, I didn't feel like there was time and I was also struggling with getting in my meditation. So I started getting up a little bit earlier and going straight to my journaling while I was on the treadmill, and then straight from that 
to my meditation. I've been motivated to do that zero times. Zero. But I've done it every time because I'm not looking to be motivated to do it. I'm doing it because it is right. And I think that if more people can practice that shift, knowing that sometimes you will feel motivated, then we have infinitely more control and power, and power because feelings are never going to be permanent. They're never going to be fixed. And we're just really short-circuiting our potential and our power when we tell ourselves that we need to be motivated or that we need to stay motivated and we need to figure out how to stay motivated. No, you don't. No, you damn don't. <laughs> how can I hold myself accountable? Oh, this is such a good question. Um, do you remember, this was a couple months ago now maybe, do you remember when I said to you that I wanted you to call me out if you noticed signs of postpartum depression? I actually don't remember that conversation, so, so I'm sorry. I, was talking about, I, I, I remember talking about how like, you and my sister and Chris would probably be the people to notice first, but that Chris would probably just be like, you know, she's tired and she's adjusting and she's working and all of this and kind of like brush it off. And my sister, I could kind of like veer the conversation around it and keep it kind of surface level that maybe she wouldn't know. Um, and I, and I remember saying to you, and again, it was months ago, like, would you feel comfortable saying to me, because I was talking about my friend who had the baby and his wife, and she went to him and said, I think I need help. Yes. Um, but, and and I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but I'm nodding just so you know, because I'm recalling this now. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the ways that we can hold ourselves accountable is going to somebody who we trust and letting them know what we are working on and asking for something specific. So it wouldn't be enough for me to just say, um, hey, like if you see anything weird, tell me because I've not empowered you to really do anything there. But if I say like, we were talking about the signs of it. Um, if I seem like I'm like I'm not seeing joy in the things that I normally find joy in, or um, I I'm not showing up to work the way that I normally do, like just ask me if I'm okay. You know, um, being very specific. That could also be. I have said to Chris before. Can you ask me every day if I meditated? And he did, and that's part of accountability. So in enrolling somebody in your life and then giving them something specific to either check in with you on uh, or ask you about, I do this every single Friday with a couple of women in my mastermind. We get on a call, we kind of give a little quick update, we talk about our goals for the next week, and then we reflect on our goals for the prior week. And that is a form of accountability. But you can also stay accountable, uh, accountable to yourself. Um, and I do this via journaling. And that is a game changer for me. Um, 
how do you hold yourself accountable? I just thought of the habit tracker in the journal. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's just, um, well, it's something that we put in, in this most recent revision of the journal and it, it allows for a list of either goals or tasks that you want to complete. And then, um, just making a little check mark or some kind of, uh, indication that you did it for the day. Um, and for me, I'm a visual person, so I like to see that. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more comfortable with asking people for help like you did. I really haven't been comfortable doing that for like my entire life. And I think it's because I was sort of ashamed if I didn't do the things I said I would do. So that's been a learning curve for me too. And, and I'm still doing a little bit more privately, but trying to uh, get myself out there and and sharing that accountability with someone. And that shame piece kind of goes back to not wanting to be seen or not wanting to be known or letting our ego get in the way of our growth. Mm -hmm. And I just remind myself, I want to be better more than I want to be seen a certain way. And that's just a powerful reset for me when, um, when I'm hesitant to ask for help. It's encouraging for me to see so many clients and, and people within the 12 weeks transformation um, putting themselves out there to be held accountable. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, here is this person who knows no one and they're asking for this help and, and I can't do it like with some of my best friends or my family members. Like, that's just so silly. And, and well, I think you it's, can do it. Right. Exactly. You chosen to practice that and build that muscle yet. Exactly. Yep. Speaking of that, our wait list is open now for our next 12 weeks to transformation. And the cool thing about the wait list, guys, is that I email the wait list about once a week with things that nobody else sees or hears. So tools and little peeks inside the 12 weeks to transformation. Um, I really want to get to know those folks better so that I can serve them and know what they need before the 12 weeks even starts. So I just want to put that on your radar. Plus, the other benefit to being on the wait list is that there are are special offers and early bird discounts that are only available to folks who are on the wait list for the 12 weeks to transformation. So you can go to primalpotential.com forward slash transform to get on that wait list. Um, But I just wanted to put that out there. We've got to give something away. Do you want to say who won the canister of the protein? I do. And I really love this. It's an Instagram handle and it's just great. And it's mama's losing it underscore. Mama's losing it. I love that. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. Mama's losing it. All you got to do is email Sarah at primalpotential.com. S-A-R-A-H. And we will get that out to you. You can choose vanilla or chocolate, but you've just got to send that email within 60 days of today's episode. I actually think that there is some emergency outside the door. Okay. Um, So I would love to ask you what you're up to this weekend, but um, there's something going on outside that I have to figure out now. So I'm going to jump off here, but everybody have an amazing day, including you, Sarah. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Primal Potential Podcast, where our goal is not to help you learn. Our goal is to help you change. This is a year of action. 
Take something you learned from this episode and put it into action in your life today. To learn more about working more closely with me and the Primal Potential team, please visit primalpotential.com forward slash transform. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.